Hello, and welcome to the Fun and Sobriety Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan, and I am an alcoholic. Uh, today is another solo episode of the Fun and Sobriety Podcast. I am um, uh, reluctant to record today's podcast because um, it's it's the middle of, well, it's the it, during, I'm recording this during rather than the middle. The middle would imply we're towards the, we're, we've passed some midpoint, but uh, amidst the social distancing portion of this COVID-19 pandemic as it's reached its way to uh, to my fair little neck of the woods. Um, so I'm, I'm hesitant just because there isn't a whole lot to talk about that isn't directly related to that. And, um, to be honest, I've started and stopped this multiple times now because I find myself wandering down a path of, uh, contemplating what that whole issue means. And that's not what this podcast is for. Um, especially since the information on all of that stuff keeps shifting hourly. Um, and frankly, none of us know, uh, what exactly is going to happen next, right? And and that is what I wanted to talk about, is is this uh, fear of the unknown, the sense of something impending, some kind of doom is impending, right? Because for me, uh, to be frank, I, I live my life with this um, constant sense of impending doom, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm not such a hypochondriac that I think that it's like for sure doom and gloom is coming at all times. So I'm constantly, you know, depressed or frightened, but I do live in fear and I do have a sense that all good things in my life could just suddenly crumble and disappear. And, and, you know, every minute of my life, every, you know, moment of my day is kind of (sighs) infected by that, sense. I don't want to say an overwhelming sense. It's more like an underwhelming sense. It's more like a, an underlying kind of always in the back of my head kind of bugaboo that I can't shake, right? That's that's just uh who I am. I you know, it's a result of my upbringing and feeling insecure about senses of abandonment from certain parental aspects and things that occurred through my childhood that could have been prevented and, and any number of psychological underpinnings that explain it, but it doesn't matter because I still, I live with it. Right. And I drank with it. It, it, it certainly underlay, underlied a big part of why I would drink. I mean, I drank not unlike uh, anyone who is alcoholic, especially in, in, or a drug addict or, or whatever addict of any kind, to escape these feelings, to escape whatever's happening in the present because the present just feels overwhelming and feels too much and the, the emotions are too much and the sensations are too much and whatever it is. And <clears throat> having an actual doom and gloom sense of the unknown, a sense of you know impending something, something not good, something on the horizon that although perhaps not an apocalyptic uh catastrophe uh you know not not 
necessarily a society destroying thing on the horizon. It's still something not good on the horizon, right? Like there, there's going to be deaths. There's going to be inadvertent side related issues that cause harm and devastation, uh, pending, right? It's, it's over the horizon. It's somewhere in the <clears throat> not too distant future, a little bit distant future. That's, that's, that's the whole nature of this, this sense of this, this sense of impending doom that now gets justified because there is something coming. There is something happening. There is tangible evidence that we're all experiencing. And that's, you know, that's where I'm at. That's where we're all at, but it's where I'm at. Because, uh, no, not because I, I, I want to talk about it because as, uh, you know, as a sobriety podcast as as a, as a means for me to offer my experience in hopes that it relates to people out there and other people can relate to it. You know, this hits very close to home, this, um, kind of pervasive sense that something's not right. This pervasive sense that, you know, there's nothing we can do, <clears throat> Uh, uh, not tangibly, right? There, there are certain actions we can take to help minimize our own risk and the risks of the people we love and even to the people just in our uh, peripheral of our lives, just day to day, right? That's the whole social distancing thing that we're all engaging in now that's resulted in, you know, the, the majority of us kind of isolated in our houses or, or in wherever we are, right? Hopefully we're in a house or our homes, but, you know, isolating from each other for the most part. We haven't reached levels of bigger cities, but I have this bad feeling that that's just a matter of time for my more, you know, uh, 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 the Boise is more isolated from a lot of that because it's a smaller community and blah, blah, blah. But we're already there to some extent. We're already at a state where a lot of us, most of us, the majority of us are just kind of stuck where we are and we don't know what exactly the danger threat level is out there, but we know that it's tangible and it's real and, and the conscionable thing, the ethical thing, the moral thing, the right thing to do is to give it respect and treat it with respect. And in that action, we isolate. And I was an isolation drinker. I was an isolation user. I wanted to... Well, okay, I was hiding, right? I was a I was a closet drinker, but by the nature of needing to hide the fact that I was drinking all the time for everyone in my life, literally everyone in my life needed not to know. I needed to keep it from everyone in my life. That by definition meant I was an isolation drinker. So any opportunity, well, let me any opportunity to be able to simply indulge my alcoholism to just drink and drink unabashedly. Like the times when I lived in the middle of all that back years ago when I was maintaining this facade of a happy, well-adjusted father and home uh, uh, bread maker and, and whatever you want to call it, head of the household, or patriarch of the family, during all that time when I was under the pressure of doing all those things, um, the pressure being that I was trying to, well, the pressure of having that kind of responsibility and, <clears throat> and 
hide my alcoholism, hide that I was drinking to intoxication, often to blackout levels, near blackout levels on a daily, multiple times a week basis. Anytime there was a moment of freedom, a moment of pure isolation is what freedom meant to me in that time. Anytime that my wife was going out or leaving town was even better, but was like going to be gone for hours at a stretch. I was free. I could just indulge myself in my addiction. (laughs) I'm using that language because it sounds right, but I would get drunk, right? I was able to just drink freely. I could leave the bottle of whiskey in the freezer. I could put it out on the table. I didn't have to worry about stashing it down underneath some papers in the recycling bin or in the basement underneath the stairs back where the spiders crawled, right? Like, it was almost like a freeing aspect to be isolated all on my own, right? Like I could finally be the gross little Mr. Jekyll when I was left all to my devices all by my lonesome, right? And that festered like a cancer, like a pustule, like a pustule. That's the way I visualize myself in that. And so a situation, an environment today where the responsible thing is to isolate, is to be alone in my house, right? I have kids, but I have space to myself and my kids are teens, you know, they, they, they don't, they're doing their own thing, right? They're off in their own space. So I'm effectively all by myself. Plus, you know, I'm trying to build some kind of scene that makes it look like I'm about to drink. I'm not, I'm not about to drink. What I'm, what I'm getting at is this is the perfect storm for a drinker like me. This is exactly what I would seize onto with the, with the outward facing facade of like, Oh yeah, no, this is terrible. Oh no, I agree, Bob. This is a, this is a terrible thing. I can't believe we have to go through this. I know I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to run to the store again to buy, try and see if they've picked up any toilet paper, blah, blah, blah. Anything to rationalize hoarding a little bit more liquor of some kind and being able to freely engage in it, to just drink myself silly because I can't do anything anyway. I can't go anywhere. I'm not expected anywhere. I'm not expected to go to work. I'm not expected to go to any social gatherings. I don't have to drive my kids anywhere. My kids aren't supposed to go anywhere. Like any number of excuses are removed, right? Any number of of things that I would have to make excuses about are removed because I don't need to worry about them, right? The only other similar scenario like that is being on like a long distance flight where like there's fucking nothing I can do but sit here and stare at a screen or read a book or listen to my my headphones so there's no reason not to just get fucking obliterated right like those were my times that was when gross Dylan just shined right like whatever that person was who I used to be that's when I really would just like that's when I got to just come out man and to me it felt like I was coming out of my shell And I suppose part of why that felt so invigorating and and honestly empowering in those moments, it felt empowering. It's because for once, I mean, as a closet drinker, there's this just hideous fracturing of who I was, right? Like I was never one person. I was always who I was presenting to the world. And then I was who I was in secret. And so in those isolation moments where I was free to just be 
indulging in, in indulging in, I was free to indulge in that. I was free to be me, right? Because the secret core person becomes who I want to be. And so I felt even more empowered because finally I got to be one person for a brief amount of time. I got to just be this one person who I was presenting to, you know, the world that, you know, when I was all alone, it was nowhere, nobody was seeing it, but I got to just step into it and just be free. You know, uh, can't, I imagine it's similar to a, a coming out or, I don't know, getting to indulge in any number of secret activities and finally getting a moment to do it. You know, and, and on a plane, it was even more invigorating because I was still out in the public, right, to some degree, and it was all strangers, so it didn't matter, and I could just be me. I was a fucking drunk, and I was finally out there. You know, and, and I guess I, I've never really processed it that way before, but that was part of rewriting who I was in recovery was like, you know, removing that and making the one person be me, the, the true me, the, the, the me inside, the, the, the innocent, scared little boy who has now, you know, walked his way and morphed into a man, or at least aged into a man I'm still just that kid but I'm just one person today right like all of those same fears and concerns and whatever it was that I was trying to drink away they're all still there but I'm just me and um, this isolation the social distancing thing this, this hours effectively by myself In my room, in my house, you know, I can't help but remember whispers of of those old days, right? Where that old person, that person I used to be, this would be my time to shine again. And I would just take it as an opportunity to just, I don't know, obliterate. But now, you know, now years into my sobriety, I, I don't, I don't have that inclination, right? The, the thirst left me, thankfully it left, left me years and years ago. You know, I don't, I don't have waves of nearly uncontrollable need to consume anymore. Right. And I can't, I can only imagine what that would feel like right now. If I were still, if I were in early recovery and this was happening, I, I don't know how I would handle that. And and if someone out there is having that right now, man, reach out to someone, reach out to me if, if you want, right? You can find me on Facebook. You can, you can message me through the, the app here, find somebody, reach out to someone before you, before you give up, especially in early sobriety. And I say, especially because Early sobriety is when we really, really, really rely on the interface of other people, the connection with others. And if you were any kind of drunk like me, being in an isolated condition, you know, that's kind of the worst spot to be. Um, But, you know, I'm not, I'm myself today. I'm I'm not... (sighs) I'm not I'm not struggling with that aspect of it. But I have a healthy fear of, you know, or my memories remind me of the healthy fear that I've had. <clears throat> you know. 
part of what comes with being in recovery, with being sober, is I, I don't get that escape that uh, was a major part of why I would behave that way, why I would drink that way. You know, it was, it was to escape the feelings, it was to escape that underlying anxiety about the unknown, about what, you know, that, that sense of impending doom, that that fear that something on the horizon is not going to be good. I'm going to, you know, all the things in my life, the comforts in my life, the, the, the qualities in my life are going to be yanked out of me. The the rug is going to be yanked out from under me, right? Like that's the same sense that was underlying my life back then. It, it, it's still here. If anything, it's worse because, you know, I've got more responsibilities, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on my own with these, raising these people and I'm, I'm on my own with maintaining my own future here and, and any number of very, uh, potentially frightening, potentially terrifying things, terrifying in that, you know, if I can't do it, what does that mean, right? Like... I have to sit in these fears now. I have to I have to walk through them and I have to do my own do the things that I've learned to do over the last 10 plus years to keep myself grounded, to keep myself solid in 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 connection with with my higher power and for me that's just having the grace of walking through the universe and feeling connected to the world around me right like anytime I'm sitting in that anxiety and in that fear I'm, I'm not feeling that connection and that's no good right like I can I can survive like that for a while now because I'm not you know as close to a drink as I was 10 years ago 15 years ago 15 11 uh, but it's still you know I need to be balanced. And again, this kind of isolation fucks with that balance, right? Like I I don't have the balance of being able to just kind of pop out, see people, interact with people at the coffee shop or at the gym or at the grocery store even. I mean, yeah, I still see people at the grocery store, but everybody feels weird out there, right? You feel weird beyond anything but a nod at anybody anymore, right? Like you run into, I run into people uh, that I, that I, you know, acquaintances and you just kind of want to be like, hey, hey, yep, okay. You just kind of jokingly bump elbows, but it's not a joke, right? Like we're all trying to keep a a happy face on because none of us know what the fuck is going on, really. And like just how bad things might become, right? And that's... (laughs) Again, that's unsettling for me that that all connected with that underlying anxiety is is like a sense of balance. A sense of routine helps me with that balance, like a, a, a set routine. I've always been a routine person as schlubby and sloppy as I'd ever become, even as a drunk, even as somebody who smoked pot constantly, I still had a level of routine. I had a systematic way of doing things in my life. Even if they got blurred as I got fucked up, they were still there. And, and in recovery, they were really there. And, and I didn't even consciously lean on it, but having a set 
series of things. I mean, that's part of the concept of like 90 and 90. Part of it is, you know, to get in the habit of doing this positive thing and the positive things that are associated with these positive, this positive thing and doing it over and over so it becomes routine. And, and getting into a routine for someone like me and for a lot of us, it's healthy, it's helpful, it, it gets us out of ourselves, it gets us out of our shell, it, it forces us to interact with other people, it does any number of things. And beyond that for me, just the routine of like how I get up in the morning, what I do with my morning, how I do go about the beginning of my day at work, how I go about my beginning of my day on the weekends, just all things feel more comfortable. I feel more, I have a, a more fluid sense of grace and fluidity and, and harmony with my world when I'm following that routine, right? I don't, I don't know how else to put it. I'm, I'm not some kind of spiritual Buddhist person, although I can see how that kind of points to that finding uh, whatever comfort in the the mundane or or whatever it is, the beauty in the mundane. I I don't know what all that is, but I feel like I connect with it. I feel like it's, it's, it's something that I live in my core without even like having to think about it. And the point is, is this whole like shutting everything down, buttoning it up the hatches, you know, everybody isolating as much as we can, removing ourselves from any unnecessary social interactions entirely, like, fucks with my routine. I have no routine. My routine is unsettled, and that makes me very, very uncomfortable, right? Like, I need, I need that routine. I need a feeling of regularity to the bulk of my work week, the bulk of my week week, right? I need to have some sense, you know, it's part of why like summer vacations, especially as an, an adult, and not that I take the summer vacation, but my kids are around and like their routines are gone and it throws my whole, uh, it throws me off too. I find myself by a few weeks into the summer at work, like feeling like, Ugh, I feel agitated. And, and I finally realized it's because my kids are just all over the fucking place. And it's just this like having the routine. I mean, as an apparent, at least myself as a parent, I have, they, those kids are a, a, a connection, a, a, a part of me, an extension of me. And so their lack of routine becomes, uh, to infiltrate my feeling of dis-ease or or sense of dis-ease with the with my day-to-day operations and and so now this is even doubly that right because my own routine has been disrupted as well as theirs and they have no set routine you know they they're trying to figure out what to do with themselves and i don't feel like anything i'm saying is unique right that's part of why i'm saying it right this is happening to me and this is hard to handle. It is a difficult thing to walk through and have to feel this sense of discomfort and and underlying agitation, right? Because it's not even something I'm necessarily conscious of. I just have this like, "Mm." everyone kind of is walking around with this like, "Mm." I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. You feeling okay? I feel okay. I think I'm okay. Are you okay? You, you, you don't look okay. Are you okay? Yeah. No, I'm not okay. No, you're right. No, we're both not doing that great. I I don't know why. I, is it just, I think it's just because we have to stay home, right? Like, I don't know how to articulate it any more than that. It is just my 
my my my coping mechanism is that routine i guess right like it's an intuitive thing or it's something that was built within me from early early in my childhood when i started to develop my own sense of my space and how to handle it that it just became that way i, I don't know I, who again who cares the source it is what it is and it's being disrupted being again an alcoholic like me the way that I was an alcoholic was an alcoholic the way that I would drink it's like the perfect storm right like it I again I'm not you know but by the grace of God there's thankfully there's no liquor at my hand right now or else I'd be in danger like I'm, I'm not at risk of relapsing by any stretch of the imagination right this second I'm you know I'm just standing here kind of trying to relate into a microphone, but I, when I put this away, I'm not going to be sitting on my hands and meditating and thinking, oh my God, I, I really need to drink. Like, I'm not there. But I know that this is a situation that could put me there, and I'm certain there are people out there right now sitting in that situation, even if they're not even conscious of it, even if all they feel is some weird sense of dread or agitation or something they don't know what it is. They can't put their finger on it. And that's part of why we just fucking, I, I, I don't know what this is. I'm just going to, just going to have one nip. I'm just going to have one taste. This is going to be okay to help me through this. It'll be okay. I'll start over next week. Right? Like that's the thing that scares me. That's the thing that scares me for anybody out there who's trying to, trying to get sober, trying to stay sober, trying to, to grab onto and hold on to recovery. Right? Like that's a real thing, man. That's a real concern and I can I can only offer what I what I do what I what I do to maintain my own sanity in this my own sense of calm and that's that I just fucking breathe through it right like I I I won't say that I have a, a regular meditation scheme I won't I won't claim to have that but I will meditate I'll take 10 minutes at a pop 20 minutes at a pop. Honestly, as I'm saying this aloud, there is no real reason why I couldn't be doing 30 minutes at a pop, right? The only reason that I don't typically do that or that I rationalize to myself is that I got too much stuff going on during the day. Hey, but hey, guess what? I'm just here. So I can meditate, right? And and I'm not a good meditator, uh, I, I often find myself just sitting quietly and thinking about shit and then catching myself thinking about shit and, and thinking, hey, you know, I'm not supposed to be thinking about shit. I'm trying to think about not thinking. And then, whoa, boy, that really starts to spiral. But that's the point. Trying to sit in that and find some silence. You know, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. But I have an opportunity for that. I mean, in the very least... If, if it was too chaotic here, if, if my kids are playing drums, right? Like that happens a bunch. There's a lot of fucking noise often here. So meditation's kind of out, but I can still ground myself, right? Like my, my connection to a higher power, my sense of the higher of a higher power is the universe, right? The universe and my position in it. And my position in the universe is right here, right? The universe itself makes itself revealed through my consciousness, which is convenient because my only awareness of the universe and my only awareness of anything is consciousness. And, and if I carry that through, kind of means consciousness is the universe and my consciousness is the higher power. And by being aware of my consciousness and losing sight of, or, or losing 
I don't, I don't know, losing myself in the middle of that, right? Makes me feel connected to a higher power, that being the world around me, the universe itself. And to get there, the closest I can ever get to feeling that way in all moments is to just breathe and pay attention to where I'm at, what's happening, and just take a second, take take a minute, take a breath, and, and just recognize I'm I'm just right here, right? Like the only thing I need to concern myself with right now is whatever I'm doing right now, right? I'm cleaning a dish. This is what's this is what I'm doing. This is what I need to worry about, right? And that helps. It helps calm my monkey brain and calm the the constant chatter that's going on in my head all the time the constant worry especially the constant worry especially the constant worry especially that's going on all of the time in the background and gets louder when there's more uh, uh unknown going on like today like right now like probably for the foreseeable future right <sighs> And I don't, I don't know that I have anything more to offer about this than exactly that, right? Like, I don't drink. I stay calm. And to do the calm, I find myself in this moment. And then if you want to be frank, I try to lose myself in this moment. But you don't need to go that far. Just take a breath. Feel the breath your body feel the aches in your bones and in your legs and whatever and just stay calm right this is what i do i stay calm which is funny because if anybody knows me they'd be like you do not stay calm you are an agitated all over the place person but i do stay calm right I, I let things happen to me and there's the world gets to me and, and, and the agitations of the world get to me and the responsibilities they get to me and all of the things that, that are nuisances, they get to me. But at the core, I stay calm. And in the midst of this, I mean, it's funny because to me this feels tumultuous. It feels like turmoil and it's made all the more disparate because I'm alone and we're all siloed apart from one another. But I feel like we all sense this. It, it feels tumultuous. It feels like there's something going on and we don't know what it is. It's right out there. And is it that bad? Is it this bad? Who knows how bad, but if we do this much measures, we, this is the smart thing to do, but it's causing a lot of problems. Like all of that stuff just, it's going to be okay. If I don't fuck my life up, right? If I don't drink, I won't get drunk. If I don't use, I'm going to stay sober. The core, most solid truths that I have ever experienced in my life are those two facts right there. One fact. And I hold on to that. And, um, you know... I have faith that that's going to carry me through tomorrow. And that's all I need, right? It's all I need is to have something that will keep me grounded in the moment with an opportunity to live again tomorrow and have the same opportunity to get grounded in the moment and live again tomorrow and so on and so forth. 
And with that mentality, I'm, I'm capable of handling basically anything that comes before me, or at least I have the best opportunity, the, the highest likelihood of being able to handle whatever happens at any moment because I'm in that moment. So that's all I'm going to say on this today. I don't know. We'll see if I keep recording isolation podcasts. <laughs> um, I don't know to what extent that's useful. Um, but I don't know. If, if you found it useful, reach out and tell me on Facebook or, or if you want to talk to me about anything else. And if you want to drink, please reach out to me. And if you don't know me or you don't want to do that, reach out to somebody. But But, but don't just do that. If you're trying to stay sober and it's really, really something that you need deep down inside of you, you know it's what you need. And this situation is making you feel like maybe it doesn't matter or maybe it's a good excuse to just set that aside for now until this passes. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Reach out to somebody. And you can reach out to me on Facebook and you can reach out to me on the Contact Us link on the Ease Dash Drop podcastnetwork.com but you know we are all in this together and uh, fuck it I love all of you you know it's corny as that sounds it is the truth right we we, we're all on this planet right now together within the same roughly the exact same time right like this is this is us this is the world and and we're all going to, if we can all keep ourselves together, we're all going to get through it together. Anyway, um, I appreciate you guys listening and uh, enjoy uh, or try to enjoy the rest of your day. Drop.